0: The number one reason for divorce, (laughs) some crazy things going on every time when you talk about money, every time. The number one reason for divorce is disagreements about money and not having enough money to do what we feel like that we need to do. It's an amazing thing through the years I've discovered that (laughs) payback, I got you. I got you. We're going to try this thing now. Okay, I've got power now. There you go. All right. Just get upstairs and adjust me now. It's what my wife always does, is she adjusts me a little bit here and there and whatever. I'm a little bit loud. Turn me down some, and I'll talk real, real soft today until you can get me fixed up. But at any rate, money causes a lot of problems in our lives. How many of you know that? Many of you are sitting here today saying, I, you know, if I could ever get my money issues fixed, my life would be much better and would be great and, and I would be a much happier person. <clears throat> well, there are some things that we need to understand about biblical wisdom as it pertains to money. So I'm fully aware that probably no one is going to have a Pentecostal fit over the message today. But here's what I do believe. I believe that if we can get our minds wrapped around God's plan for our money and our lives, then I believe that we can live a much greater life. And so today we're going to talk about tithe and offering. And I'll explain to you in just a moment why we're going to take this subject first. But over the next couple of Sundays, we're also going to talk about debt and how to deal with debt. I dare say that there are many people that are sitting under my voice today that you have so much debt in your life that it's like carrying a load of bricks with you every moment of every day. We're going to talk about that and how that God has a plan for debt. We're going to talk about how our family should approach this issue of our money. So the next three weeks, I believe, will be very helpful to us and will give us an opportunity to make some decisions in our lives that will make a difference in the way that we live. So today I wanna talk to you about this idea of tithing and offerings. Now the reason I've selected this first is not to get it out of the way because I'm not ashamed to talk about tithe and offering. I'm not afraid to talk about it but i want to talk about it because it really is the first step that we must understand when it comes to dealing with our finances because if we can't get this right then we can't get anything else right because this is what god has to say about our money so before i begin preaching i want us to pray together and i want i want you To listen with an open mind today and with an open heart. Because I'm going to try to stick as close to the Word of God as I possibly can. Because you're not interested in my opinions, but you are interested in God's opinion, right? I believe that. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this lovely congregation today. And for the wonderful worship that we've been able to experience. Lord, as we were singing the songs today... We were literally bombarding heaven with how we feel about you. And I pray that our praise and our worship today has been pleasing in your sight, that it has come up before you as a sweet-smelling savor to the throne room of God. And now, Lord, we continue our worship by listening to the Word of God and receiving it into our spirit. I pray that you'll help me to speak effectively today and that you'll allow this congregation to hear with open ears and and an open heart and that we can understand what it is that you want to say to us today about tithing and giving. Lord, we ask you for this and we give you praise for what you will do in Jesus' name. So some of the questions that usually arise when we're talking about tithing are these. For instance, we ask, is tithing really a New Testament Uh, teaching? Is it something that we see in the New Testament? Secondly, what what is tithing? What in the world is it? Who is expected to tithe? Why should I tithe? And why should I give? Now there are many more questions that we could uh, discuss today, but those are some of the primary questions that come up when we're talking about the tithe. So I want to talk to you about a way, uh, this subject of tithing, in a way that will help us to understand the principle and the purpose of tithe. Now I have been asking the Lord today to give you knowledge and understanding and wisdom when it comes to this subject. You need to understand the facts, that's what knowledge is, I'm going to give you that today. But then you need a spiritual thing to happen in you that will cause understanding to rise up in you. And the light bulb come on as to why this is important. And then finally, wisdom. How do you begin this process? What do you, how do you go about making this thing a reality in your life? So we're going to talk about these things. Now the first thing I want to do for you today is to define what a tithe is. And my definition today goes beyond just what many of you already know but here's the definition i think it will be on the screen the tithe is the first 10 percent of all the income that you receive it is given with an attitude of gladness to the lord to the local church where you attend with a spirit of humility Now, there are about four things in that statement that you need to understand. The first is that it is a 10%. That's what the tithe references. So if I can define for you very easily today, if you make $100 this week in either through your work or some way whatsoever, $10 of that 100 belongs to God. It is not yours. It is His. And I'm going to establish that fact here in just a few moments So if you have $100 that is paid to you this week through your employment, or $1,000, whatever the case may be, 10% of that belongs already to God. It is His. Secondly, we are to give with an attitude of gladness unto the Lord. When we pay tithe, we're supposed to rejoice when we do it. We're supposed to be glad that we can do it. We should should give hilariously as, as we understand. We should give in such a way that we rejoice and are able to rejoice in that. And then we are to bring it to our local church. Now, a lot of people misunderstand this. God expects you to bring his tithe, according to Malachi, and we'll establish this, into the storehouse of the local church where you attend. Now, we'll we'll say more about that in just a few moments, but the local church is the provision through which you are able to give and pay your tithe. And then finally, you're to do it with a spirit of humility. Not like this last guy in the video who wanted everybody to know and everybody to see what he was doing. So this is our working definition of what the tithe is. Now I'm going to make a strong statement here, but it comes uh, from love. And I want you to hear my heart in saying this. If you eliminate any of those things that I just mentioned to you, then the tithe has been corrupted. So in other words, if you decide that you're not going to pay 10% tithe, that you're going to do 5% tithe, then the tithe is not a tithe. It's been corrupted because it is not what God has defined. Did you know that in the United States of America, one of the richest nations in the world, the majority of the Christian community pays approximately 2% of their income into their local church? Let that sink in for a minute. Instead of 10%, we've negotiated a rate with God that lands right around 2% of our income. So if we don't bring 10% that God has already laid claim to, but we bring 2% instead, then our tithe is non-existent, existent, it is corrupted. If we give uh, with a, it's somewhere other than our local storehouse, let's say that this week we decide that we want to give our tithe to Jensen Franklin. I'm sure he would appreciate your offering But your tithe belongs in your local church. I'm sure that that Joyce Meyer would be more than glad for you to send her an offering. But if you do that as a replacement for your tithe into your local church, then your tithe has been corrupted. It is not what God intends. Now, I know it sounds like that I'm being selfish and that as your pastor, I'm trying to raise funds for the church. But let me make it clear I'm not trying to get money from you. I'm trying to get blessings to you. Because you can't be blessed by the hand of God until you bring yourself in agreement with his plan for tithing and giving. If you give it to be seen of men, or if you give it... Um, out of a, a negative mindset, well, I had to write my tithe check today and I had to, give, I had to bring it in, then, then, then your tithe has been corrupted. Because tithe is 10% of all the income that you receive given with an attitude of gladness unto the Lord to the local church where you attend with a spirit of humility. And so that is where we start today with the tithe and with the giving now there are two things i want to share with you briefly today and the first is there is a principle of the tithe the principle of the tithe is that this is what god has planned for our lives there are many people who will ask if tithing is actually a new testament requirement in other words we don't argue with the fact that we see it in the old testament But now that we are no longer under the law of the Old Testament, and we are now under grace, does that mean that I am still required to pay tithe? Is it a New Testament principle? Well, when we think like that, we don't understand how tithing got started. Now, I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, at the very beginning of time in the creation. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God is initiating this principle of owning what is his and he is saying to Adam and Eve I'm giving you all of these trees in this garden for you to uh, partake of and for you to eat of except for one and if you eat of that one tree then I will not be able to bless you in fact you will be outside of my blessings And so from the very beginning of time, we see God establishing this idea that there is a part of creation that is His and can never belong to anyone else. It is His to claim. And then we go to Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20, and we read this. Now, this is the story of Abraham meeting a man by the name of Melchizedek in the Old Testament. And it says this, and bless be the most high God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and Abraham gave him tithe of all. So in other words, Abraham is talking to this man, Melchizedek, who, by the way, is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ, who would come into the world in the New Testament. But Melchizedek was a priest of the lineage of the Levites, and he was there to receive tithe on behalf of the kingdom of God. And so Abraham gives tithe to Melchizedek. So, God required man to refrain from eating, and he required Abraham to pay a 10% tithe to Melchizedek in the Old Testament. So, there are three things I want to mention to you, and you'll see them on the next slide, about this idea of the principle of the tithe. And the first thing is this. We have to understand ownership. Now, how many of you know that God owns everything? He owns everything. He owns the earth. He owns everything in the earth. He owns you. He owns me. He owns the church. He was the creator. He still is the creator. He owns everything. So before we can get this concept of tithing in our mind, we must acknowledge the fact that God owns everything. He is the owner of it all. Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1 says... The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So he owns the earth, he owns the moon, he owns Jupiter, he owns Mars, he owns all the animals of the earth, he owns all the vegetation of the earth, he owns all the Brussels sprouts, and I'm glad to let him have all of those. He owns it all. He owns you. He owns me. He owns you whether you're white or yellow or red or black or whatever your nationality and color is. God owns everything. And so we must come to the understanding and the conclusion that God is the owner of it all. And not only does he own the stuff, and that, that belongs to God, but you belong to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and then 19 and 20 says, But he who, jo- who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body." So what he's saying is, is that you do not belong to yourself. You belong to God. Whether you're saved or unsaved, you belong to him. And so we are to bring glory to God through everything that we do in our body. So there's this concept of ownership. So when we refuse to give him what is rightfully is it is denying that he is the owner of all that he has created in other words we're saying to him i'm keeping my tithe i'm keeping what i think belongs to me i'm keeping what i think i generated in my life and therefore i'm saying that that which i'm keeping that literally belongs to you uh, is robbing you of your ownership of everything on this earth so there's the concept of ownership then there's the concept of stewardship. We learn that we are stewards of what he gets into our hands. Now, I I started to do this illustration today with $100 bills. But then I decided very quickly that I would be endangering those $100 bills because I might not get them back. So, Pastor Danny, would you come and would you help me for just a moment? I, w- I want to, I want to make a little illustration. Now, I took my business cards because they're not worth a whole lot, and if you keep them, you can hand them out. It's about the church. I have ten business cards here, and let's just say that every one of these business cards represents a hundred dollars. So now, when I, when I obtain, um a job, employment, my belief is is that God was responsible for me getting that job. When I came here as your pastor, it was not a lucky draw of the straw. God God had set it up so that I would come and be your pastor. So now everything that I get in terms of my salary and benefits and things of that nature, they're not mine, they're God's. Because God is the one who made it possible for me to draw the salary that I draw. So I'm going to suggest by giving these cards to Danny that this represents all of the good that God allows to come into your life. So this is your salary. This is your paycheck. Now, it's still mine, but I'm putting it in your hands to be a steward over. I can take it all anytime I want to. I can take your job away from you. I can can make it so that you can't can't get any more. I I can do all those things because I'm God. You didn't know that, did you? I'm representing him today. So I gave him a job. He worked. And now he has received the benefit of that employment. But now he has to deal with this issue of stewardship. And because God gives us a free will, we get to choose what we're going to do. Now, I know that Danny knows about the concept of tithing. So I know that Danny's first move would be to give me the 10% or the one that still belongs to me that I have reserved for myself, being God. So would you be willing to do that? So now I have the 10% that I have put into his care and keeping and stewardship. Now, he has already given me back what I have required. I could have asked for 20%. I could have asked for 30%. I could have asked for 40%. I could have asked for it all. But God only asked for 10%. So you have 90% now that you can do what you feel like you want to do. You can pay your mortgage. So maybe two of those would be your mortgage you can make a car payment if you have a car payment maybe two of those would be that you 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 got to have groceries so maybe two of those would be that you got to pay uncle sam his so let's just tear one of those in half and give no i'm just kidding we give we, we give uncle sam what is rightfully his and, and then we, we have this over here that, that we might use for various purposes and various things. But we get to steward what God has given to us. Now, that 90% is blessed because I have given to God, only thing he asked for was 10%. That's what he asked for. So now, he is blessed with the 90 I would say that the 90% will go farther under the blessings of God than if I gave him this back and he decided to steal it from me and keep it from me. Are you tacking with me today? I'm trying to be as nice as I know how to be and give you knowledge so that you can understand it and have wisdom to make it work for you. So this is, this is all God's. I give it all to you. And then you give me back that which I have reserved for the work of the kingdom of God. And when we do that, God is blessed and you are blessed. He still has 90%. But God took the 10% and he is going to fill the earth with his blessings and with the gospel of Jesus Christ through the local church that receives this tithe on behalf of God. So everybody understands. If you understand, give the Lord a good clap offering this morning. So we're stewards of what God has blessed us with. Now Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 through 12. You know this very well, but let me read it to you. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And you say, how have we robbed you? in your tithe and your contributions. Therefore you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me and the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test, saith the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that it will not destroy the fruit of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, saith the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, saith the Lord. So we've talked about ownership. We've talked about stewardship. And let me talk about one other thing here and that is the principle of lordship. Now, lordship is the principle that says that I give everything that is God's to him because he is Lord over all. all, We've already talked about he owns it. We've already talked about how that he gives us the right and the the free will to be able to use it for our, our lives and for his kingdom. But he is also Lord of all. Now, this is true in all the areas of our lives. When I married my wife, I told her that she would be my only valentine. And I have lived in such a way for 41 years to prove that out. She's been the only one for me. And I've been the only one for her. So we work together. And there are certain aspects of my life that she and she only owns. And participates in my life so there's this concept of lordship where we realize that God is Lord over all and we must take that as a fact so when I tithe when Danny gave me that tenth card back as a symbol of the tithe he was saying that you are God I'm not but I was representing him He said, you are God, and you have declared that I should give the 10% to you that is yours, and so I am going to obey you because you are Lord. So when we refuse to do that, the opposite is true. We're saying to God, I know what your word says about this, but I choose not to allow you to be the Lord of my money. I choose to control the destiny of every dollar that comes into my household. And therefore, I'm saying to you, you are not my Lord. Because if someone is Lord, then they own every aspect of us and they participate in us. And we are obedient to them and the principles that they have established. So we talk about then the principles of the tithe. Now I want to talk for just a few more minutes about the purpose of the tithe. And I'm trying not to be long-winded today because I know that there are people that just can't take talking about money. You need to be able to talk about it. You need to be able to receive the wisdom of God's Word. But some of you have already twisted in your seat so long that you're rubbing a blister on your leg down here. So I'm not, I'm not going to just belabor this, but I'm trying to give you information that will help you to get make good decisions. So the purpose of the tithe. So now the first question that would come up is, if God owns everything, why in the world does he need tithe from me? If God owns the cattle of a thousand hills and the hills that they graze on, why does he need my meager tithe? And I'll tell you this. It's not because your money is going to find and finance the entire church. It is a conduit by which God's blessing can come to you. If you tithe, you're blessed. If you do not tithe, according to Malachi, there is a curse placed upon everything that you touch. And so Having that knowledge and understanding would help us to understand that God's purpose of the tithe is to bring blessing into our lives. Is Jonathan Gregory here? Is he in the house anywhere? He may be in the back room uh, in Children's Church. I don't know. I was going to use him as, as an example. But let's just pretend like he's here. How's that? And here's the reason I wanted to talk about Jonathan Gregory. Jonathan is a runner. He loves to run. He has the ability to run. He's strong. He is is able-bodied and he can run. He can run far uh, a greater distance than I can any day of the week. And he, secondly, not only is able to run, he loves to run. When he's running, I mean, his juices are flowing. He's He's enjoying the run. Now, aren't you glad that God gives us the ability to run, him the ability to run, and that he gives him the opportunity to run, but he also allows endorphins in his body to be generated when he is running, which causes him to feel good about life. And so he not only has the capacity to run, he not only has the opportunity to run, but he, is, he enjoys the running as well. Now, if God would do that over something like running, don't you think that God would also do that with money? God gives us the capacity to gain money and to earn money. He gives us the opportunity to accumulate some money. But he also enables us to enjoy the money that we have. And so God wants to open this conduit of blessing to us. He's made many things for us to enjoy. And so he made you with the capacity to earn money and the necessity to have money. And he knows how to give you the ecstasy of enjoying money. My wife and I, uh, at this point in our lives, we've gotten to the place where we can bless others with money that comes to us. The first thing we do, and I'm not bragging on us, I'm just just a statement of fact here. When we get paid on Friday morning when she gets out of the bed and she realizes that the check has come through the bank and is in our bank account now, the very first thing that she does is get on the church app and forward the whole tithe to Spirit Life Church because that is our obligation. You're saying, well, you're the pastor; you have to tithe. You know, you you're you're required to do that. I, I you know I tithe. Because that is the decision that she and I have made that we take God at his word and we're going to be obedient to the principles of the tithe. And we give it to the Lord as the very first thing that we do. And then we find how we're going to live the rest of our lives with 90%. And we have discovered that God... Gives us the ability to do that. But now it also gives us the ability to enjoy that. So if we see somebody who's in need, we can bless them. If we see somebody that we would like to take them to dinner, we can take them to dinner and pay for their dinner. If we see somebody that needs something a little larger, I I may not be able to do everything that is needed, but I can do what I can do. And together we do that because we have made this choice that we want God's blessings upon our household and upon our finances. So now there are three purposes of the tithe. Very quickly, the first one is... The upward purpose. And that is that when I tithe, I bless God with my tithe. And when we come into the house of the Lord, we come ready to sing. We understand worship. We understand that it's not about us. It's not like the dude that wanted to buy a few hymns out of the hymnal. We come in and whatever's being played, whatever we're singing, whatever we're doing is worship from our heart to God. It's not about whether we get blessed or not, but it's about the fact that in the midst of our crisis and our chaos in our life that we understand that God is worthy to be praised. And so we come into the house of the Lord and we lift our voices and we begin to sing unto him and give him the glory that is due his name. And so we worship. Same thing is true with our tithing and giving. When we have the opportunity to give to God what is rightfully His, then we do it with a happy heart and with gladness in our heart and we give it to Him and we rejoice because we are able to do it and we get the benefits of God blessing us. But our purpose is not so much to get blessed as it is to say, God, you are so worthy of everything that I have to give to you. If it's a song, I freely give it to you. If it's a word, I freely give it to you. If it's a smile, I freely give it to you. If it's helping out in an area of the church where they need volunteers, I gladly give it to you. Whatever I do, whatever I give, I give it to you because you are worthy. And when I write my check or when I send my tithe to the storehouse, God, it is an act of acknowledgement of who you are and you are blessing God with your tithe. Don't you enjoy getting blessed? Don't you enjoy Pentecostal worship? Those days when you feel the chill bumps on your skin and the hair starts standing up because you know that you are in the presence of a divine and holy God and you cannot help except to have a response that recognizes the fact that you are in the presence of the Spirit of God and you're blessed because of it. Well, when we give our tithe and bring it into the local storehouse, God is blessed by it. I don't I don't know how to picture it properly. You know, we don't pass baskets. We have the mailboxes on the back or we have the church app where you can give electronically if you decide to do that. But I just got in my mind that I believe that when we take our tithe and we write it out and we put it in that box, I I don't know, I just somehow believe that God is in heaven saying, hey, look at that, look at that. They just blessed me. They just blessed my kingdom. They just obeyed me. They just did what I asked them to do. They just obeyed the commandment that I commanded of them by bringing their tithe to the storehouse. I am blessed by what you have. Have done. You know It's interesting that God is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done. God is a giver. God gave his only begotten son so that we could have everlasting life. But not only is he a giver, he acknowledges those who give. Jesus proclaimed the excellence of a poor widow who came to the church and put in the box her two last Mites, And Jesus said, she has given more than them all because she gave everything that she had. Jesus defended and praised the woman who pulled out a full year's wages in perfume, poured it upon his feet just prior to him going to the cross. She broke the alabaster box and she poured it upon the feet of Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus noticed and he was blessed by it. So if he was blessed by this little widow giving her two mites, and if he was blessed by the lady that gave a year's salary in in oil for his feet, then you can be sure that if he was blessed by them, he is blessed by you when you bring to him that which is rightfully his. God gave the best that he had. Listen. We used to sing this song years ago in the church, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask is to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory, that's all I ask is to be like him. You remember singing that song? Some of you have heard it before in your life. I'll cut an album and you can buy it. There you go. (laughs) Here's the point I'm trying to make. You're never more like God than when you were giving. You are never more like him than when you are giving of what you have. So there is the upward purpose of worship. There is the outward purpose. Now, God made promises to tithers. If you are not a tither, you are shorting the blessings that God could bring into your life. I don't say that. Try and get more money out of you. I don't, try, I don't say that to try to shame you. I'm just trying to tell you, if you want to be blessed by God, you need to put your, yourself in a position to be blessed. And there are promises in the Word of God that only apply to men and women who are tithers. It's just the way it is. Now, let me say this. If every tither in our church tithed according to the plan of God, We would have more opportunities to impact our community than we currently have. Did you know that in most churches, 20% of the finances are given by 80% of the people? And 80% of the finances are given by 20%. So I've been praying this year. I've been praying for a lot of years, Lord, help that 20% to realize or help that 80% of people that don't give at all or under what you have required us or asked us to give, let them become stronger givers. And it finally began to realize that rather than asking you to transform your lives, and I hope you do, I've started praying that God would bring people into our church who already believe in tithing and giving. So that even though our tithers may still be in the minority, we will have more of them to give into the ministry that God has called us to do. Listen, we're living in the last days. If you don't know that, just look at the news. Just get an idea of what's going on in our community and in our world today. And you've got to understand and know that Jesus Christ is coming again, and he's coming soon. And what the church should be and needs to be doing will be either positively impacted or negatively impacted by the number of tithers who are bringing God's tithe into the local storehouse where we attend. I am proudly part of the Spirit Life Church. I wouldn't go anywhere else. I I love being here. God has called us to be effective in our community. But he has also said, I need you to bring your tithe to the storehouse so that your outreach can be greater than it has ever been before. A story told years ago about a man named Luther Rice. He was trying to raise missions money for a guy named Adoniram Judson. He was a missionary in Burma. And so so Luther decided that he was going to go over and begin raising money for Mr. Judson. And he hired some boatmen so that they could take him from one community to the next community so that he could raise money. And as he's on the boat and they're traveling down the river and the boatmen are delivering him to his destination. He's talking about the goodness of God. And he's talking about what God is doing through Mr. Mr. Judson. And he's talking about the many souls that are being won to the kingdom of God. And he's talking about how the communities that were worshiping false gods are being transformed by the power of God and believing in Jesus Christ. And they asked him why he was going and he said, I'm, I'm raising money so that Mr. Judson can have an expanded influence in the area. So when they arrived at the destination, and they're getting ready to let mr Judge, mr uh, mr the, the the missionary the Mr. Rice off of the boat uh, he he's reaching into his pocket to pay the fee to the boatman uh, for bringing him down the river, and they were so touched by the testimony and by the stories that he told they said that they would not take the money that they agreed upon and they reached down into their pockets and they started taking out all that they had and the other one did and the other one did and they pooled their money and it totaled 25 cents. And they gave it to Mr. Rice and said, take this money on behalf of all of us so that more souls can be won to the kingdom of God. Listen, I'm not concerned about whether or not I can get a nicer car. I don't care about whether or not I can have a bigger TV. I'm not I don't care about whether I can have a bigger house. I'm not I'm not I'm not concerned about whether I can have a big uh, uh, bank uh, bank account uh, that the government will try to take away from me. I'm not concerned about any of that. I'm concerned about feeding as much as I can into the kingdom of God because I believe God has something that he's going to do in these last days and he's going to do it through us so there's an outward purpose and then finally there's an inward purpose tithing when done with the right spirit and the right heart puts Jesus in his rightful place upon the throne of your heart tithing brings us joy tithing puts a smile on our face Tithing gives us peace because we know now that we are in covenant with God. We know that he will rebuke the devourer for our sakes. These blessings that God brings to tithers is that he will bless our land when we tithe. He said in Malachi that he will keep the the pest from eating up our crops. So when the pests come in and try to destroy the work of our hand for the tither, God says can't be done I have determined that I'm in covenant with this tither and therefore when the pests come to try to steal away everything that I'm blessing them with I refuse to let it happen aren't you glad to know today that God is on your side he is not against us he is for us and if we will obey him he will do in our lives what needs to be done Tithing takes away the gnawing guilt that you feel every time that you hear a message on this subject. All I have to do is announce that I'm going to preach about giving and tithing. And all of a sudden, the stomach flu gets... You know what I'm saying? I don't want some preacher telling me what to do with the money. Okay. What about if God tells you to do what you you should do with your money. See, I'm not worried about... God's not... God's not looking at me and saying shame me on you. I'm going to have to curse you because you won't do, you won't obey what I'm doing and what I'm telling you about the tides. So shame, I don't have to live with that guilt. I don't, just like I don't have to live with any guilt of sin. I don't lay down in my bed at night and say, "Oh God, I've been so awful today and terrible today," and I want you to say, "Listen, I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. I am washed by Him. I am cleansed by Him." And this very day, there is. That Therefore now no condemnation to those who walk not after the flesh but walk by the Spirit of God. So I don't worry about that kind of stuff because I know that I am covered by his blood. And I don't worry about my money because I know that I am covered by the covenant of tithing and the blessing that comes to me because God said, If you will bring your tithe into the storehouse, I will pour out from heaven blessings upon you which you cannot contain. And when those little pests come to try and steal from you what I'm trying to get into your possession, they will not be able to do it because I'm in covenant with you. So there you have it. Singers, I want you to come. We're going to, sing. We're going to pray in just a few minutes, but when I'm closing, I want you singers to come and sing that last that last song that you did about breaking chains. Because you know what I've discovered about financial bondage? There are times that we look at our finances and we look at the debt and we look at the bondage that we may f- feel like that we're in and we feel like that it's, it's impossible. That it's impossible. Like the guy on the video said, It's crazy. It's crazy. We've decided that we're going to pay our tithe one day, but right now it's crazy. Let me tell you, we serve a God that is able to do crazy things in our lives if we will just be obedient to him. Can he roll back a Red Sea? You better believe it so that they can walk through on dry ground. Can he raise the dead? Can he heal the sick? Can he save the sinners? You better believe it. I read a story about a missionary who served in the New Hebrides, and this missionary reported that when he arrived there, that the natives were serving a false god. It was not the true God; it was a false god, and he is trying to win them to Jesus. These. Missionaries report that the people on the island in worshiping these false gods, on special occasions, they would hold a feast to their God. And they would take some of their livestock, some of their pigs in particular, and they would roast them. They'd do a pig roast. And as an act to God, they would eat all of this pig meat until it was all gone, until they were stuffed when it was all done they would take a knife and they would cut the pigtail off of the pig and take those little scrawny pigtails and put them on the altar to worship their God with. As I was reading that story it came to my mind I don't ever want to be guilty of putting pigtails on the altar of God and worship to him when he has already set the stipulations for my financial worship I don't want to give him less than what he deserves I don't want to give him less than what he commands I don't want to give him less than what he requires I want my worship to be extravagant worship I don't want it to look like a pigtail. Can I tell you that one of the ways that we put pigtails on the altar of worship is when we decide that we're not going to give God the 10% that he requires, but we'll let him have two. We'll tip him with two instead of bringing the 10. we We'll do what we want to do, we're putting the pigtail on the altar. say to you today that if you're going to be blessed, if you're going to break through in your finances, you're going to have to be willing to accept this teaching today as truth. I'm getting ready to pray for you. I want the prayer team to come and position yourself. And When I finish praying for you today, I want you to come and whatever need that you have today, whether it's physical, you may be hurting in your body today. You may be sick, your relationship may be struggling, your, your employment may be difficult, whatever it is. You need prayer today, that's what we're here for today. We want to pray with you. But before I pray, I want to say three, three things to you. First of all, this week, I'm not asking you to take out your checkbook and you start writing checks. If you're thinking that today Pastor's going to ask us to take our checkbook out or get our app out and start today I'm not asking you to do do that I don't want anybody to write any check today Well I I take that back If you've already brought your tithe and you're already a tither I I don't want to take away your blessing but I'm talking about people who are who are struggling with this issue and dealing with it I'm not asking you to write checks today Here's what I'm asking you to do I'm asking you to ask yourself this week, is what my pastor taught today truth? Is that what the Bible teaches? Does the Bible really teach tithing? And if it really does, what do I need to do to get invested in what the Bible is teaching? So that's the first thing, ask yourself. Does the Bible really teach tithing? The second thing that I want you to ask yourself, has my pastor told the truth about what the Bible says about tithing and giving? Or is he lying? Or or is he manipulating me to try to get me to feel something to start tithing? Is that the purpose that he has? Is he trying to move me and manipulate me to get me to do something that will help him and help the church? Ask yourself that question. If you think I'm lying to you, come talk to me about it. If you think I'm trying to manipulate you, I do everything that I can not to do that. That's one of the reasons that we don't spend a lot of time in our services receiving offerings and trying to find out new ways to inspire people to give. We try to teach people what the Bible says about tithing and giving, and then we leave it up to you to do it every week. And you do. So I ask, does the Bible really teach tithing and giving? And is my my pastor telling the truth? about what the Bible has to say about money. And then the third thing that I want you to ask yourself is this, if the Bible speaks to it and it's true, and if my pastor is telling the truth, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to apply it to my life? See, my goal is to give you knowledge trying to tell you what the Bible says. That's knowledge. Trying to help you to understand the knowledge so that you can apply wisdom in that moment when you decide to do what you need to do. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for our church. And as soon as I finish praying, I want you guys to start singing this song. And as soon as they start singing this song, I want you to get up out of your seats and come down here and let these trained prayer intercessors pray with you over whatever need that you might have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing me to preach your word. Even when it's difficult, I'm honored to be able to represent your word to your people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the principles of your word. So today it has been my desire to give knowledge. So the people who came in here today and did not know what I shared today, they now have the knowledge that they need to be able to do what is required of them. And so I pray that that knowledge will take root in their mind. And then, Lord, I pray that you will give them understanding. I pray that the light bulb will finally come on. I pray that it will. I pray that it will be like flipping a switch and they will say, I finally see that. I finally see that in a way that I've never seen it before. And then finally, Lord, I pray that you will give them wisdom. Lord, I I don't think it would be wise for people who are struggling financially to automatically empty out their bank accounts, but Lord, you can give them wisdom so that they can find a way that they can be obedient to your word. And if they will do it according to your plan and according to your purposes, then God, you will give them a way to do it so that they will be blessed and so that you will be blessed. So Lord, I pray over the next two weeks as we unpack different aspects of this debt and families and how they incorporate this kind of thing into their lives Lord I pray that you'll give us the knowledge, understanding and wisdom that we need so that we will never again have to come before you and have condemnation or guilt in our minds and in our hearts because we are not being obedient to the things that you have commanded us to do and I pray for them today that you will give them that in Jesus' lovely name Amen Amen. Will you stand with me? And if you need prayer, come as they begin to sing.
1: There is power in the name of Jesus.
0: this house today, that you have never become a Christian by inviting Jesus to forgive you of your sins and inviting him to come into your heart. If you're here today and you would like to become a Christian, they're going to sing this verse about the all-sufficient grace of Christ. If you're here today and you'd like to make that decision, I want you to join me right here in this altar, and I want to pray with you today and get you into a relationship with jesus christ so as they sing now if you need to be saved if you want to become a christian today step out of your seat and meet me down here if you will let's do that come
1: on